What a beautiful song to prepare our hearts for the Word of God. Father in heaven, what a reminder. We thank you so much, Lord, that before the foundations of the world, we were on your mind. And then you sent your only begotten Son to die in our place. And there's no reason why he should do that, except that you loved the sinner. You loved us and desired for us to spend eternity with you. Thank you for so great a salvation. And now, Lord, speak to our hearts once again through thy living word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me, let's turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. We're continuing our series in this tremendous letter to the churches. And the Apostle John uh, wrote this uh, with different things on his mind, you might say. But some things uh, he emphasized was, of course, the love of God, the love for one another, and then sought to ground the believer in their doctrine in their faith in assurance that they are saved and assurance um, uh, of what John has told them and taught them along with the other disciples is absolutely true and that the, uh, the, those who were teaching false doctrine, the heresy, heresy that was coming into the church through Gnosticism, all, all that, John was trying to deal with that in his writing here. And so now we come to a place of um, a few verses, this passage here, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 12. And as we begin here, John is now going to draw upon some legal concepts uh, that concern testimony or witness, okay? And I want you to understand that this text here concerns the truthfulness of the testimony that the church had received about Jesus Christ. Now, where have we found any news about Jesus and who he is? Right here, God's confirmed word. But John, at this point, as you read, you'll see it. John is actually going to, as it were, just, I don't know how many of you have been to court, had to sit on a jury. Let that be the jury stand right there. Okay. I'm sorry, jury stand, the witness stand. Jury, you and I are the jury, okay? So I want you, we're all the jury when we go into this uh, spiritual courtroom that John is setting up. Okay. And... There, we as the jury are going to decide whether the person who is going to sit in that uh, witness chair is telling the truth or telling a lie. And here, who do you think takes that witness stand? God himself. God himself is called forward by John. Now, when you are a uh, if you are trying to tell the truth and you're trying to present your case, okay, 
God is called forth. And God is, through John, is presenting his case concerning what he said, what God the Father has said about Jesus Christ. That God basically said, this is my son. And so what do we need when we're trying to prove a case? We need evidence. You know, exhibit A, exhibit B, and we bring that forward. Or, or witnesses, live witnesses, to say, I was there. I saw it. I, you know, I experienced it. So here we're going to see that John is basically saying, God on the witness stand is going to bring in exhibits. His exhibits as evidence of who Jesus is. Look with me here now at verses 6 through 8. Let's read it together. 6 through 8, follow along. John writes, This is the one, this is Jesus Christ, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. Verse 8, For there are three that bear witness, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And the three are in agreement. Now, if you, if you have a King James Version, I just want a, a side note here. If you have a King James Version, if you, you're reading along and you're going, wait, I, I just missed a, a few things in verse 7. Because verse 7 in the King James translation adds something else to the verse. And so King James Version added this. Let me read the, the verse of verse 7 to you in that King James Version. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, why does my version not have that? And some of your other translations that you have here don't have that. That reference to the Trinity. Well, as I did the research, uh, I found out that, uh, that, that when the King James was translated... Um, they, they, they were translating from some Greek manuscripts that in the 14th century that had, um, they were using. And the, this particular verse, uh, scholars point back to during this time that uh, the scribes who were doing this, writing this out, translating it from the Greek, the Greek manuscript they had. They put this down, added this to it. Uh, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, that they bear record in heaven. Now, that's true, isn't it? It is true. However, the reason it's not in the rest of some of our translations is because this particular statement is not found in earlier uh, manuscripts centuries before that uh, that the, the the translators of the Bible used to translate 
And so when others went to study, great scholars went to revisit the Greek, they found that this, this was added. This is not, this phrase was not in the oldest manuscripts that we have of the Bible. So it's not, it's not you know, we don't need to uh, put a lot of attention to it or anything like that because what's put here is true. But uh, they believe, uh, scholars believe that, that the reason a scribe put this in and added it to the King James translation is because they wanted, uh, they were trying to understand it and, and they felt that this, what was being taught was, was he was based, John was trying to communicate the Trinity through water, blood, and, and, and the, uh, and uh, water, blood, and the spirit. Okay, those are, the, those are going to be our three witnesses. So, but anyway, I just wanted to clear that up if, if you had a question about that. But you see there in verse 6, here John calls forward the witnesses, or you might say the exhibits, all right, if we're picturing a courtroom and God is on the stand. So this one, the one that God has presented to the world, Jesus Christ, God says, this is my son. Why should I believe it? Why should you and I believe that Jesus is the son of God? And this, now this passage uh, has created multiple problems and, and, and discussions and and disagreements uh, on trying to interpret it, okay? So uh, I'm going to share what I believe, which I, what I'm, I see it as and accept as, as understanding it uh, is, is in agreement with many other teachers like John Walvoord and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, Ryrie and, and, and so many others. But I, I, I'm going to share that with you here. So here are the, are the threefold witnesses, the spirit, water, and blood. Now, what do they mean when you read that? What, what, what is John saying when he calls forth these? These are witnesses. Okay. Now, remember, John is writing to many of the Jews who were saved, but they, they were still, many of them, living under the Jewish law. And we look back in, in Deuteronomy, we see that God, when, when someone had an accusation or was in court and trying to accuse somebody of something, they had to have two or three witnesses. Quickly, turn to Deuteronomy 17. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 17. So see, this is the background then as to why John is, is presenting three witnesses. For, and actually God is presenting them. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. Deuteronomy 17, 6. And here God says, on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses... He who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of what? Do you see it there? 
one witness. You see, God would not take one word against another in the Jewish court. You know, when when someone accuses someone else, the Jews understood that if there was going to be an accusation against somebody else, there had to be two or three witnesses that would have to come forward. And he makes it clear here. And then go over to Deuteronomy 19.15. Just slip over to chapter 19. Look at verse 15. Here again. A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or sin which he has committed on the... A single witness isn't enough. But on the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. So you see, it comes out from the law of Moses. And so when John says, God has three witnesses to present to you, three to testify, they, they are saying, well, yeah, we need two or three witnesses to, to, to be sure of something. So go back with me now to 1 John 5. If we go back there, let us look at the three witnesses, or as we were saying, the three exhibits. Let's look at exhibit A. What what does he say first in verse 6? This is the one who came by water. Now, what does he mean by water? Here again, scholars have debated over what water means. You know, some have, have thought that the water is in reference to the water, and because blood is added next, they think that, well, it refers to the, to the blood and water that came out of Jesus' side when the spear went into him on the cross. Remember, it speaks about blood and water came out of him. And so they, they think that's what the reference is, is to. But most of the Bible scholars that are true to the word and really, really uh, trying to uh, compare Scripture with Scripture, it is understood that, and this is what I believe, that the water is a reference or witness uh, through Jesus' baptism in the water Jordan. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Let's go to Matthew 3, and we will see that account. So, God calls his first, the first witness Is this really his son? Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. So now Jesus is going to be baptized. This was part of the plan of God the Father. And look, uh, you all know the story, but let's read what happened. Verse 16, 17. And after being baptized... 
Jesus went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove. This is John seeing it. Descending on a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now I want you to understand and picture it. John had thousands of followers. He had built up so many people. Were hey, Let's go see this John in the world. He was the Billy Graham for 18 months in, 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 in Israel. And so... He's out there and everybody's coming to be baptized and, and repent or just to listen. And so there are thousands there when Jesus is baptized. So not only it wasn't a, like Jesus and John were over, you know, in part of the Jordan where it's, it was secret. Nobody was there. No, God, the father wanted to make sure that this was a public declaration of who his son was. The evidence. And so the evidence was seen and heard by everyone there, the thousands that were watching and listening. As they saw Jesus baptized, I don't know what it looked like, but it looked like as a dove, the heavens opened, and as a dove, the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon Jesus. And then it was at that moment, everybody heard this voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so here we have eyewitnesses and those who saw it and heard it. And so God is saying, you want the first bit of evidence of that to prove who my son is, that that is my son, my eternal son? I proved it that day through water, through the baptism of water. So there's exhibit A, all right? So let's turn back to 1 John 5, verse 6 again. What's the next bit of evidence called forward? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. But not with water only, but with the water and with the blood. Water and with the blood. Okay, so... We're seeing, again, this can be confusing if you're just reading it. But here again, John is saying these, these two go together. These, these uh, exhibit A and exhibit B. Now, what does the blood mean? Okay. Again, it has been debated. But I believe that this is a reference to the blood of Calvary. The blood on the cross. The testimony on the cross when Jesus gave his life on the cross. So where is it? How, do, how does God prove uh, on the cross that this is his son? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 27. Let's go to Matthew 27 now. And now we are going to see the evidence Exhibit B, the blood. What, what did the blood cause? The blood of Christ as it was shed. Matthew 27, verse 50. 27, 50. 
Here is Jesus on the cross. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, look what happens here. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook. The rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city, and what? Appeared to many. Appeared to many. Here was the evidence. God was sending the signs as Jesus breathed his last breath and gave up the spirit. God was basically saying, this is my son. By sending the darkness. Sending the earthquake. Having the priests in the temple standing before the veil. That, that kept him from going into the Holy of Holies, that veil was torn from top to bottom, which was impossible by man to do. And so all these things were supernatural. These were super, this is supernatural evidence that God performed through the blood of Christ when the blood was shed on Calvary. And so we have it here. And we, we need to present these to people as we present the gospel. And we, they want to, well... How do you know Jesus is the Son of God? Well, let me take you to God's Word. And then we can take to bring them to Exhibit B. And look what happens to an individual who believed in Exhibit B. Verse 54. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus... When they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. His statement of faith. There was that God suddenly got a hold of this centurion soldier and he saw all that was happening. And he and suddenly... He took that evidence and said, this has to be the Son of God. I believe this is the Son of God. And he was born again, saved right there on the spot. How beautiful that is. The blood is evidence at the cross that Jesus is the Son of God. But then God calls a third witness forward. And if you'll turn back to 1 John 5, 6. Okay. Actually, we're moving on to 7 now. Verse 7, he goes on, and John writes, And it is the Spirit who bears witness. Here's exhibit C. Who bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that bear witness. And he reaffirms it, John reaffirms it. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and the three are what? All in all one or in all in agreement. In other words, one verifies the other. They all come to agreement that this man that was crucified, this man that everybody's talking about and his message is going forth. You have to believe on him and believe he's the son of God. 
the evidence, they're all in agreement that this man is truly the Son of God. And God made the world aware in a physical way that this is my son. Through the baptism, through the cross, and now the last one, through the Spirit. And of course, who is the Spirit? We consider this to be the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The third witness, the Holy Spirit. And John is probably, that's what he's referring to here, the Holy Spirit. Because when he mentions, he says, uh, because the Spirit is truth. Do you recall, because of time, we're not going to have to be able to turn to some of these verses. But John fifteen twenty six. if you're writing notes. John fifteen twenty six. Jesus said, but when the helper comes, this is he's talking about his crucifixion. He's going to leave them. But he says, but when the helper comes, whom I send to you from the father, the spirit of truth. There it is. Who proceeds from the father. He will what? Bear witness of me. The Holy Spirit was sent by God, the father and by the Lord Jesus Christ to you and to me as the third witness, to bear witness that Jesus is, is who God said he was, that he is truly the Son of God. Paul said in Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, anybody know the rest? That we are the children of God. Where do I get my assurance that I'm a child of God? The Holy when I am trust Jesus as my Savior, I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And he is testifying in my soul and in my body every day. Recently, do you recall, dear Christian, a time this past week when, or weeks before that, that you were praying about something? You, did, you wondered what direction to go, what decision to make, you know, or, or you're trying to deal with, deal with a problem in the family, in the home, or whatever it is, or the news of sickness. And you sensed suddenly a peace that came over you that you can't explain. Suddenly you have an answer in your mind that's telling you this is the way. Walk in it. And you're going by faith. That is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. And he makes himself known through us and in us. He testifies that Jesus is who he said he is and who God the Father said he is. And, I, and then others see the testimony and the, the witness of the Holy Spirit. How? Through your life and mine when we demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, get, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to control me. And again, the scriptures use the word filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then, then in Galatians 5, Paul goes into the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, all those things. Every time you and I show one of those fruits of the Spirit, we are showing others that Man, this Jesus is who he said God was. 
He's the real son of God. And look how he changed your life. So the spirit is that third witness. So look with me now. We have the three witnesses. Okay. And let's read 9 through 12 in closing here. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For the witness of God is this, that he has borne witness concerning his son. And we've seen the, the three witnesses that have come forward. Verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the witness of himself. The one who does not believe in God, now here's something very sobering, what he says. The one who does not believe God concerning his Son, Jesus, has made him God, what's next? A liar. He's made God a liar. Because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his son. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, and he who does not have the son of God does not have life. John makes it clear. You believe in the son, you have everlasting life. You say, I do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I just believe he is, he was, he, yeah, he was a, maybe a holy man, maybe some kind of prophet, but not the Son of God. And that's what the Gnostics and heresies that were coming in the church were teaching. That, that God was just, Jesus, they, they believe, one, one, one of the ideas they were teaching was that at Jesus' baptism, that when the Spirit came down on him, the Spirit came on him at that moment. But when he get, went to the cross, the spirit basically left Jesus. And so he was strictly human. He lost his divine spirit. And that's why John said earlier, he said, it's not just the water that bears witness, but water and the blood. Because the blood proved that at his death, God sent the signs to show that my son is the son of God. He's divine. And so here we see that John is making it clear. If you say, and if anyone's here this morning, and you have not believed that Jesus is the Son of God, my dear friend, do you know what he's saying? He's saying that you are a liar this morning. That you're actually, that you're calling God a liar. It's basically saying, you're on the jury. Remember, we came to, and sat on the jury. God's at the witness stand, and he brings the evidence, and now the verdict. And each one of us has to make the verdict personally. Is he the son of God or not? If I say yes, then I've got to receive him. I know he's the only way, and I need to accept him, have him come into my heart and forgive my sins, which he died for, and give me everlasting life. But I can say, oh, I believe God is lying. Oh, yeah, Jesus has wonderful stories. I'll try and be like Jesus. You know, be nice, love, you love people. But if I don't accept him as the son of God, I am calling God a liar. And that is when I am separated from God then for all of eternity. How sad. What a heartbreaking thought. Think 
clearly this morning. If you have not accepted Christ, today is the day you need to do that. You know, as we spoke of baptism here, and we had the baptisms this past uh, Sunday, uh, all, the, all the testimonies just, just gripped me. But I want to share one with you. I got permission from Matt, Matt Hartman to share this. I asked him, would I be able to conclude my message with the testimony you, you shared at the baptism? And he said, yes, you can. So I want you to listen to this. Because here's a man who watched and, and saw the, the, the exhibits of God and the claims that God the Father made on his son and he believed and was transformed by it. Hi, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matthew Hartman. And I lived in the area my whole life. I married to my wife, Kristen, Kristen and three boys we have. Beckett and Sawyer, who are twins, and Declan. My family have been coming to Jonestown Bible Church for two and a half years. My kids currently go to Blue Mountain Christian School. I even attended the K-4 class when I was young. During that time, my family was attending church and Sunday school fairly regularly. I learned some very basic biblical truths and stories. I believed that there was, I believed that there was a God, and I always did. But I did not have a personal relationship with him yet. When I was six, my parents divorced. And the church faded into the background and became an afterthought. And maybe some of you can relate from your own background to this. As I got older, I really did not attend church on my own or with my family. But I would go occasionally with my best friend who I met at Blue Mountain. Other than my parents' divorce, I had a normal, great childhood. I never really found myself struggling and I never wanted for anything. The first hardship I had to face in my life was when I was 13 and when my older brother Brandon had a tractor accident. He was in a coma, which led to brain damage. He can still function by himself, but somewhat, he can still function by himself somewhat, but requires a certain amount of care. When I was a kid, my older brother was my role model. I looked up to him in many ways. At this time, I started having more conversations with God. I started off angry. But as time went on, my anger subsided and I found myself praying to God more. Maybe you're in the anger stage right now over something that happened in your life. You're angry with God. He goes on, I still didn't recognize my need for a relationship with him. And as I got older, my ungodly lifestyle reflected that. I graduated high school and thought I'd give college a try when I quickly learned it wasn't for me. Around this time, I had been dating and living with a girl I knew from high school. We got engaged after a couple of years. We were alike in a lot of bad ways. Our relationship revolved around parties, friends, and drinking. Not long after buying a house together, we divorced 
after I found out about her affair with one of my friends. I was left feeling betrayed, depressed, alone. I dated quite a bit and soon came to the conclusion that my choices were leading me down the wrong path. I got my drinking under control and was looking for a healthier relationship, realizing that if I wanted to do better, I had to do better. I had to be better. I was on the verge of giving up, but God answered my prayers and I met my wife, Kristen, online. One of the things that we like to do is hang out in the kitchen when the day is done and just talk and listen to music. Our talk often led to God and spiritual things. And we almost like we almost liked debates rather than talk. <laughs> the talk started off with differing opinions. I believe that if a person was good enough they could get into heaven. Christian told me that without Christ no one can be saved. Over time, my heart softened and my understanding began to change. I agreed to go to church with Kristen and we were trying a couple of different churches in the area at this time, but none seemed a good fit. The twins started attending Blue Mountain Christian School, just like I had done, and we decided to try Jonestown Bible Church. We instantly felt at home and loved the preaching of the gospel from Pastor Larry. Things that me and Kristen had talked about started to make even more sense to me. I had a hunger to spend more time in the Word of God and began forming my own relationship with Jesus. At the end of one of his sermons, almost always, Pastor Larry puts out a call for people to repent and come to Jesus. Although I didn't go up, I sat in the pew and I prayed with him. For now, I understood my need for a savior. I'm so thankful for God's mercy and grace in my life. I'm so thankful that God gave me Kristen, the light of my life, who led me to Christ, the light of the world. And I'm getting baptized today to show the great work God has done in my life, and I'm committed to walking with Christ. Thank you, Matthew. Is he the son of God to you? Or will you walk out of here the same way you came in? I'm going to make my own way to heaven. I have my own ideas. God has presented evidence that this is his son. And all the evidence is found here and then in the living spirit of Christ that indwells the believer. And this morning, I offer to you that chance to come and accept him by faith. Receive Jesus Christ as your very own Savior so that you know your sins are forgiven. You know that eternal life is given to you as a free gift. You didn't earn it. And that you're going to be in heaven because of what Jesus did for you on the cross and dying for your sins. And you, believing that he rose again from the dead, one day he will raise your body up from the dead and you will have a new body in heaven. But that hope, that joy of the future can only be yours if you say like the centurion, I believe this man 
is the Son of God. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow this morning before the Lord, dear Christian, first of all, I pray that your heart would be encouraged and assured by these witnesses that were presented to you today that God presented on the witness stand. And that you would reassure your faith, stand firm in his word, and not let the world or other teachings that are contrary to God's word sway you. Hold fast to the word. Because you are the child of God forever. No one can pluck you out of his hand. But if you're here this morning and you have not accepted Christ, but now you realize you must do it. Would you pray with me now? I'm going to pray this simple prayer. As I pray this simple prayer of faith, you can pray a different prayer. The prayer itself doesn't save you. It's what you believe in your heart. But this is a confession of the faith you now have in your heart concerning who Jesus is and that you want him to save you. If you are ready to make this decision and accept Christ as your Savior, pray with me now. Just pray quietly in your heart right where you sit. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash all my sins away forgive me of my sins I receive you today as my very own Savior thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead Lord Jesus and with our heads still bowed If you gave your heart to Christ this morning, you are now born again. You have now been saved. You've been robed in the righteousness of Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven you. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for speaking to hearts today through the testimony of your word. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for those who believe. Father, I pray you would give strength and your grace to your children today who are going through deep waters and trials. I pray that you would strengthen them in their faith as they once again reaffirm it through these witnesses that have testified that Jesus is your son and that the Holy Spirit lives within them. And I thank you, Lord, for any who have trusted Christ this morning. I pray you give them, them the assurance of their salvation And may they begin their new walk with you in the light. And we'll thank you for what you do until Jesus returns. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.